Life Audio. Occasionally on Fridays, we get a special treat. I call them Friends and Family Fridays, where I invite different guests onto the show to have some important conversations. These are voices from other either pastors or speakers or authors, people that are in the world of Christian media that have some powerful messages that God has dropped on their heart. Today, we're having my friend Brandy Wilson on the show, and she just wrote a book called Better Than Okay. And Brandy's message is one that I think we need to have this conversation we need to have within the body of Christ. She talks about finding hope and healing after her marriage ends. And so if this is not a topic that you want to listen to, then I would invite you to listen to a rerun or join us again on Monday for some fresh Bible study content. But I know that this book is one that I needed when I was going through this myself. So I pray this conversation blesses you. Stay tuned. Hey friends, welcome to the Hearing Jesus podcast. Do you sometimes doubt if you're truly hearing God's voice or if it's really your own? And how do you know the difference? Do you ever struggle to feel confident in your relationship with God and what He says in His Word? Do you sometimes feel stagnant or like maybe you hit a wall in your spiritual life? Hey, I'm your host, Rachel Grohl, missionary, author, pastor, and life coach, and I have been there. I too was doubting God's voice in my own life. I felt insecure about my relationship with him, and I wanted to be obedient to what God was calling me to do, but I wasn't quite sure how to figure out what that was. I felt like I was wasting time trying to figure it out, and I just wanted a way to understand his will for my life. The answer for me was found in the pages of the scriptures, as I learned how to understand what they were actually saying. If you're ready to grow in your faith and to step confidently into the calling God has for you, then join me as we dig deep into God's Word so that you can learn to live out your faith in your everyday life. Well, hey, everyone. Welcome back to the Hearing Jesus podcast. Today, I have my friend Brandy Wilson as a guest on the show who is joining us to talk about what God's been doing in her life, this new book that she's written, and just the things that God has been doing in this season. So, Brandy, thanks so much for joining us today. Thanks so much for having me, Rachel. I'm excited to be with you guys. Yeah. So Brandy, I am very familiar with your ministry, but for those of our listeners that may not be, can you just maybe introduce yourself a little bit, tell us a little bit of your background, and then also maybe transition into this message that God has really burdened your heart with in this season. Yeah. I um, work for an organization called Leading and Loving It, and we exist to bring strength, joy, and empower female leaders so that they love their life and ministry. Um, started out with my best friend. Her name is Lori Wilhite. She is at a church in Vegas. We were both pastor's wives about 15 years ago. Um, and she had started a blog for the women that were on her church staff. And she and I just connected because I was a senior pastor's wife at the time here in Nashville, Tennessee. Um, and we had a couple of things going on and I knew I needed to talk to someone who understood what was going on and reached out to Lori and this natural friendship was born. Um, because you know, right now we could talk, um, across the country, cell phone to cell phone for free and there's FaceTime and there's zoom. So we started a friendship about 15 years ago when she asked me to come alongside her and help her, um, develop leading and loving it. And, um, you know, I, I like to say it was a mom and mom. We were both stay at home, mom and mom 
stay-at-home moms at the time. So it was a, instead of a mom and pop, it was a mom and mom little um, organization we had gone going on that has grown to have an impact that none of us could have foreseen. So um, lots of women in leadership across the United States are part of Leading and Loving It as well as across the world. So I'm super honored to get to be part of Leading and Loving It. I think I was creating a ministry to help other female leaders and never expected to need the ministry myself the way I have. Um, I did six years ago, go through a pretty public divorce um, from my husband of 20 years. I married my college sweetheart right after graduation from college. And we planted two churches, the last one being Cross Point Church, which is still in existence here in Nashville, Tennessee, and had three sons. And um, he chose to walk away from our marriage and walk away from the ministry and walk away from our family unit. So I ended up having to start over again. Life as I knew it ceased to exist in the matter of a few days. Um, But, you know, Rachel, I think we are both aware that when your life publicly falls apart, it's been falling apart behind the scenes for a really long time. Um, So I had to stop and reconcile the fact that I didn't see this coming yet. I did see some pretty big red flags and had tried to do what I could um, in order to save the marriage, but that just was not the plan. So I have talked to so many women who are in ministry, have gone through a divorce or infidelities in their marriage, um, that it just became a message I wanted to share. I heard the question over and over, like, am I going to be okay followed by, will my kids be okay? And um, just out of my own personal journey, and then being able to talk to so many women who are, you know, Christian women who are in churches or part of leadership in churches to say like, you will, you'll not just be okay. You are actually going to be better than okay. Yeah. You know, I love that message because, you know, my listeners know if they've read my book and been listening to me for some time that I myself went through a really painful divorce. Um, And I think that was the resource that I needed, like not just am I going to be okay, but this whole idea of being better than okay and understanding that God is the redeemer and restorer of all things. And it's taken me a long time to get to the other side of that. But I know, you know, the book is all about finding hope and healing. Mm-hmm. But I know that it had to be difficult to write this, to revisit some of this stuff. And I think it was really courageous of you to be able to do that. And I, I want to kind of just maybe ask or pick your brain a little bit about how you reconciled both the 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 pain of that season, but then also the hope of the season as you were writing this book. Yeah, you know, um, that's actually a great question. And I, it is devastating as you agreed and have also walked to go through a divorce. The unraveling of your family unit is just a devastating thing to live through and to live through it with so many eyes watching it um, was just a lot. And I really ended up, you know, I had this life, our church was really large. Um, So I went from, you know, being surrounded by thousands of people every weekend to really shrinking down my life and just talking to a few people. Um, that I really trusted and people who had longevity in my life, you know, my therapist being one of those, um, along with about three friends that I kind of just sunk my time into processing what I was going through. Um, And 
I will say finding hope initially was really hard because nothing around you feels good when you're walking through a divorce. Everything feels pretty terrible. Um, And I think for me, there was a point um, probably just a couple of months in where I just had this moment where I thought, you know what, nothing around me feels good. However, I believe that God is still good. So how can I see that goodness around me? And I did something super simple. It is not, you know, I'd love to say I have this really giant formula, but I did something super simple and I pulled a journal that like a freebie journal, someone had given me that was on my bookshelf and I took an orange Sharpie and I wrote focus on the good on front of it. And, um, I started making myself record about five things every day that I saw as good, um, where I saw God's goodness in my life. And that's what started to whisper a little bit of that hope into my life. Mm -hmm. I was choosing to see God's goodness around me, even though nothing around me felt good. And I would record really small things. I mean, I've gone through, as I was writing this book, I've gone through all of those journals from the past six years. And it is kind of like funny to look back and see some days I wrote, um, you know, something as simple as I had ice cream with my kids on the back porch today. Um, or I went for a 10 minute walk and the sun was out. Um, I got a new hairdryer, which, you know, how is God in the hairdryer? And um, I think for me, it represented that there would be more new, that new was coming and there is God's goodness in the new. So that was a really big piece for me to just switch my perspective and lean into that, um, that gratitude that I realized that God was still at work in my life, even though I wasn't feeling a lot of that hope in the moment. I love that because it's so practical. I think when you're going through that, it's hard to even think. It's yep. hard to even think about the next day because you're still so consumed with the today. The yep. pain of today kind of supersedes the the hope for tomorrow. So I love that that's such a practical example of something that you can do to start today to help change your perspective. I love that. You know, I think when I was going through it, and and I think you talk about this, you know, similarly in the book, it, for me, I think one of the biggest things initially was this, this idea of identity. Like, if I'm not a wife, who am I? And, you know, you talk about what your life was like before your divorce and then after your divorce, but but the loss and the grief that happens in that, I think losing some of our identity is part of that where, you know, who are we, especially in ministry, like, you know, the, the eyes that are on you constantly, um, how did you get through that season? I think both publicly and privately, like what were some of the thoughts that you had around your own identity? Yeah. Yeah. I feel like I was starting all over, you know, I had been, um, with my ex-husband since I was 19 years old. So we met when we were sophomores in college, um, basically grew up together. I had been with him longer than I had lived in my parents' home. Mm -hmm. Um, so there is a lot of identity work that went on in my life and, and it was not easy. Um, I, I think one of the, the major things that happened is my best friend who I alluded to earlier, Lori, um, she was very involved in my healing, lived across the country, but would call every day. And at one point she just, you know, she took me by the shoulders and she was like, Hey, roles and titles may be taken from your life, but no one can remove the call of God on your life, except for God. 
So you still get to show up and do ministry however you want to do it. You get to lean into that freedom that God has placed this call on your life. And I think for me, um, it was easier to let go of that identity of wife because through my own healing and therapy, intensive work, um, I realized I had been living in a lot of dysfunction for a really long time. So I actually found some freedom and not being tied to that wife title anymore. Now, Rachel, I do want to say I love marriage. I believe in marriage. I boldly ask God to be remarried one day because I love partnership and union um, with another person. I'm I'm a two on the Enneagram. I love connection. Um, so But for me, I found a lot of freedom in losing that wife title. We're going to take a quick break right here. And when we come back, we'll continue our conversation with Brandy. Stay tuned. The identity I grieved was not being part of the church anymore. I loved the church. I loved being involved with the staff. I loved being at staff meeting every week and spending one day I would work from cross point for the day, um, just to be really involved with the staff and the people who were making everything happen on the weekends. Um, so that grief took a lot longer for me to heal from. And that, that loss of identity was something I had to spend a lot of time investing in and to honestly be reminded that everything just comes back to my relationship with Jesus was huge for me. Um, the connection I had with God in the midst of the anguish that I was walking through was such a beautiful thing. And that divorce actually created a closer relationship with between God and myself than I had ever had my entire adult life. Um, so as hard as the identity was to try to figure out and what does this mean and who am I? There was also just some peace and being able to take it back to something simple and and say like, okay, Jesus, eyes on you. You are the one who's going to guide me through this. You're the one who gives my identity. um, And you're the one who's going to make sure that I come out on the other side and use my suffering as a survival guide for others. Yeah, I love that. You know, I think when I was going through it, um, similar to what you talk about in the book, when in terms of grief, I think I experienced God's, my relationship with God in such a different way Mm -hmm. in the midst of that grief. And, you know, you talk about how grief is individual and we face grief differently. You know, your version of grief might be different from my version of grief, but it's a necessary part of the process for sure. But I I wanted you to kind of talk to the woman that might be feeling like her faith isn't strong because she feels like screaming and crying and cussing at God. And, and I, I, I say that because I experienced that. Like on one hand, I wholeheartedly treasure my relationship with the Lord, but I was mad. I was so mad at him for allowing that to happen in my life. And, and if, you know, even those thoughts of like, okay, God, I have committed my life to serving you. Where are you right now? And so could you speak to that woman that's finding herself in that place? Yeah, no, one of the titles of one of my chapters is I cussed a lot. Yeah. Um, because yeah, I was angry and mad and I was in ministry and I'd watched God restore marriages around 
um, me in our church and even in our friendship circle of people who had gone through, you know, similar loss and infidelities. Um, but it, it wasn't happening in my life. And yeah, I was mad about it. I wanted it for my kids. I knew my kids were praying for it. So I'm like, God, if you, you know, aren't going to answer it for me, at least answer it for my kids. Um, so yeah, there's a lot of anger and frustration and we're questioning, where are you? Why haven't you shown up? There's a lot of doubt. Um, and I think being able to go to God, like God invited me into that space with him to show up with what I was feeling. Um, and that's what helped create that closeness and the dependence on him. I think one of the things I realized when people say like, how did you make it through your divorce was when life was broken down to really nothing, everything I knew changed. It forced me to lean on the only thing that wasn't going to change. And that helped create this secure attachment to God. Um, in a really beautiful way. Attachment is huge for us as we grow and develop and how we interact in relationships. And it allowed me to really lean into him and to find the security there that I had been looking for in my marriage. Um, and in doing so, just in that security allowed me to show up with what I was feeling in that moment and, and to show up with the disappointment and the hurt. Um, and honestly, I feel like God so reminded me he loved me and he heard me in these small ways and in these really big ways, um, just to say I'm here. And I, and I knew if he's hearing me in these small ways, he's hearing me in the big ways as well. Yeah. And, you know, I think too, you know, sometimes we have a tendency to think that we can only take the praises to God or, you know, the soft prayers to God, but yet in those heavy moments of grief and anguish, that's how we get through them is by yes. taking them to God. It's yes. not that he, I mean, obviously he knows what we're going through. He's I was going to say the same you thing. Know? It's not aware like, of what we're yeah, feeling. Yeah. yeah. And so that honesty, that raw honesty and vulnerability of being able to be angry with God, I think takes an incredible amount of faith. Mm -hmm. And the other side of that is a different dynamic in your relationship with God. When you learn that that's how we get through those dark, hard moments it is, yes. is bringing him into that space. And he's big enough. He can take it, you know, he can totally take it. Yes. Yeah. I agree. You know, I wanted to kind of maybe talk a little bit about your experience with the church leadership, because I think in the world of believers, there is such a stigma around divorce. Um, even when, you know, I, and you kind of said this before, like, I remember saying like, I, I don't really believe in divorce. Like as a Christian, I don't believe in divorce, but sometimes you have to deal with the decisions of other people. You don't have a choice and, um, similar thing, you know, there was infidelity in the marriage there, you know, he left. So like, what are you supposed to do with that? And at a time, at least, and I'm only speaking from my experience, but I think a lot of women have experienced this in a time where you are so broken and you are needing support. There's a tendency within the body of Christ, at least in, the, in, in my experience for them to be hands off, like mm -hmm. your tainted goods, or, you know, you must have some sort of sin or the, you know, whatever. 
And it's, it, that's so hard for me to see women going through that now. Like I have such a heart for women that are going through that. So I'm curious of what your experience was like within the church world, within the circle of leadership, because I think it's an area for most churches that we can do drastically better in. I would agree with you. I would totally agree that it's an area we can drastically do better in. I will tell you, I was very fortunate, um, that cross point was good to me, um, and that is not always the case. Yeah. Uh, in fact, that's often rarely the case. Yeah. And that's where I do get really upset because, you know, at the end of the day, I am capable of taking care of myself. But man, the impact that has on your children yeah. um, and the church does not show up for them. And and that doesn't mean that things have been roses with, you know, my family in regards to church and what it looks like to get involved in church. But um, Crosspoint was good for me. There is no handbook of how to walk through this really well. Um, And I think when you're in a situation like mine, there's just so much deceit and manipulation that you're not necessarily leaders are not making decisions, having the full truth. Um, So just to lay the groundwork of, I know there is not, this is not easy to walk through. It is not easy for people to lead through. Um, and I wish it was as simple as a, you know, these are the three steps to make sure that you handle this well, and it doesn't impact your church body. However, um, the fact that wives and children are so neglected and discarded when something like this happens is heartbreaking to me. Yeah. Um, you know, Crosspoint staff showed up and moved the kids and I to the house that I purchased. Um, part of the creative team put a basketball goal in for my kids, the same one that we'd had at our old house. Those things are big things. And they also just help your family to remember that they are still seen. Um, lots of times these people, the wives and the children are just discarded and not thought about afterwards. And, um, I think it's heartbreaking that that's allowed to happen in the church world. I think it's even heartbreaking for attenders who are going through divorce. You know, it is hard to walk into a church where you feel like all you see are happy families. And it, you know, it's really similar to when you buy a car and then all of a sudden you see the car, same make and model of the car everywhere you go. When, you're going through a divorce or you are divorced and you walk into a church, all you see are happy families. And it's like the church is created for, you know, a family unit. Um, so when you're walking in as a single mom or a single dad, it's really hard to feel like you fit in there. Yeah. So I think, you know, to be able to make it more inclusive, even in regards to illustrations that are given from stage, you know, um, to bring up single moms and single dads, to mention blended families, those things are what life really looks like um, in our neighborhoods. And it needs to be represented from our churches as well. Yeah. Um, I think one of the biggest gifts God gave me is he did give me a couple of very dear close friends who husbands are mega church pastors. And I was very, uh, I could very clearly see that the church had not destroyed my marriage. My ex-husband had chosen to destroy our marriage yeah. through manipulation, multiple infidelities and betrayal, um, deceit. That's what ended my marriage. Divorce didn't end my marriage. That's what ended my marriage. I just, was luckily surrounded by a couple of mega church pastors who I could see like there are good leaders out there 
who love God and choose to um, step into their role because of what God has called them to. And they are honest and they love their wives and they're great family men and they're great leaders. And that was really great for me just to be able to have those people in my life who could speak truth and remind me like, this is not something the church has done. This is something an individual has done, which allowed me to have a pretty healthy separation in regards to that. And even more than that, this is something that the enemy has done. Yes. You know, it's yes, really, sure. really the work of the enemy. Yes. And I think that was helpful for me when I was going through it, re- recognizing that the enemy had been behind it. And we know from scripture that the enemy hates us. And yes. so um, it made it a little bit easier for me to kind of walk through that season, knowing that, you know, God had already defeated the enemy. It's, yes. you know, it's, it's a, it's a rigged fight, so to speak. Yep. And so walking in that healing became a, something I was really seeking after because I recognized that this was a spiritual battle, not just an emotional battle. Mm-hmm. You know, one of the things that I think is such an insecurity for women that are going through it, if they have children is, are my kids going to be okay? Yeah. You know, it's like you said, it's one thing for me to go through this, but it's quite another for my kids to go through that. Can you share your perspective on that? Because um, I think as moms, if I had to choose which one of us would be better than okay, I would choose my kids, you know, for sure, and, for sure. and, and yet um, again, it's something that we don't talk a lot about on the other side. I mean, we might talk about, we might include blended families just as far as when we're doing family ministry and kind of lump them all in together, but there's not a lot of resources to kind of speak to the aftermath of what happens to the kids. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it is really a heartbreaking thing to walk your kids through. Um, and it's something, you know, my kids now are 22, 19 and 17. Um, and there's, still impact that flows into their life on a regular basis. Um, but yes, I, I think for me, I prayed lots of prayers, begging God to continue to show up in my kids' lives. Um, I was having a quiet time. I don't even think my divorce was final yet, but I was having this moment with God pretty early on. Um, and I was reading about the Israelites crossing the Jordan river and the Jordan was at flood stage and, um, and how, um, the Ark of the Covenant, when, when the priest feet touched the edge of the Jordan river, the water piled up in a heap. Um, and I was just, you know, I've read this story for years. I grew up in church. I've done this on a flannel graph. Like this is a very familiar scripture for me. Um, but this day I was reading it and I was reading it, you know, in regards to my children and, in the midst of reading that scripture, I just felt God lean in because I was so overwhelmed, Rachel. I was like, how do I do it all? How do I, you know, how do I show my kids that the church is still good? How do I lead spiritually lead my kids to have a relationship with God that is active, that they, you know, find peace in him. They dwell in him. They go to him. How do I keep them involved in a church when church is hard? How do I, and I, I just felt so overwhelmed with what that looked like. And as I was reading the scripture, I just felt God say like, Hey, that's not your job. You're trying to do my job in the midst of it. Your job is to, as the Israelites were doing, as the priests who were carrying the Ark of the Covenant, they, they carried the Ark of the Covenant to the middle of the Jordan and they stood on dry ground while all of the Israelites passed around them and got to the other side. And he said, 
your job is to stand on solid ground and to hold who I am in your life. Mm -hmm. And it is my job to hold back the water. And it is my job to make sure that your kids are delivered to the promises that I have for their life. It's my job to make sure that they make it to the promised land. It's my job to, um, to, to make sure that the Ark of the Covenant rests on the other side. It's my job to make sure that there are stones of remembrance in your life so that you can acknowledge how I have shown up. Your job is to stand and have a relationship with me that your kids are able to see and let me do the work. And I think it was in that moment that I truly felt God just lean in and say, you might be a single mom, but you are not parenting alone. And I needed to hear that. I needed to be reminded I am not parenting alone. And with that, if I am going to say, I believe that God can take my suffering and, and take my pain and use that for purpose. I have to also believe that he is going to do that in my kid's life. I did not want divorce to be part of my story. I definitely did not want divorce to be part of their story, but I have to trust that God is going to step up in their life and use this part of their story for his purpose and for good um, in their lives and in their future. Yeah. I love that. You know, I would love it if we could spend a couple moments just praying for the woman that's going through this right now. I think this is a topic that so many moms, when they're going through it, they are really looking for resources they're looking for encouragement they're looking for somebody to say exactly what you just said like you are not doing this alone even yeah. if you feel lonely in this you're not alone so i was wondering if you could pray for the woman that's going through that right now and you know she might either be facing divorce or just coming through a difficult divorce and pray for her I think in the way that you needed prayed for when you were in that situation. Cause I think that's the woman that I have the heart for today. The woman that is kind of walking through that, that heartbreak right now. Yeah. Yeah. I would love to. God, thank you so much for this time together where we can just discuss a topic that is very real. Um, I think what I have learned is that if someone is not walking through the divorce. They love someone who is walking through a divorce, God. And I just want to pray for those women specifically this morning. I want to pray for them. And I think what I want to pray is that you show up for them in little ways and big ways. You remind them that they are loved, that you love them, that you hear them, that you see them, God, and that you just bring them comfort and peace. There's so much chaos going on in their heads and their hearts. I just ask that you bring them peace and allow them to see that they can get through today. And that is our goal to get through one day at a time. Divorce and recovery from divorce is a really difficult season, God, but allow them to take that one day at a time and allow them to lean into you. Give them the bravery and the courage to show up and their relationship with you, with all that they are feeling, the frustration, the disappointment, the hurt, the rejection, the abandonment, God, they're feeling it all. And I just ask that they have the courage to bring that to you, God. And I, I just ask that you comfort them and allow yourself show up in their life, like a healing bomb that they need, God, that they can feel your presence in a way that they haven't before God. And I just want to ask that you be with them as moms, as parents, 
that you remind them that they might be a single mom, but they are not parenting alone, God. And I just want to ask that in the communities and in their friendships that they are reminded that they are seen. Um, So often we just feel like we've been forgotten. And I want to ask that you put people in each of their lives to remind them that they are seen and that they are loved. In Jesus' name, we ask these things. May they be so. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much, Brandy, for coming and just being vulnerable and sharing on the show today. Um, I wanted you to share where can people get a hold of a copy of this book? Where can they find you? Tell us all the things. They can find me at lovebrandywilson.com, Brandy with an I. Um, And then on Instagram, I am lovebrandywilson. On Facebook, I'm Brandy Wilson. And then the book can be purchased on Amazon, Barnes and Noble, um, with Baker books, anywhere books are sold, you can find uh, better than okay. And yeah, I would love to connect with them on Instagram and Facebook. So that would be great. Great. Well, thanks for so much for joining us today, Brandy. Thanks for having me, Rachel. I really do appreciate it. I know you've been frustrated with being confident in how to tell the difference between hearing from God and wondering if it's your own voice. Listen, I know I've been there myself. That's why I wrote the Bible study, She Hears, Learning to Listen to Jesus. This is a six-week study that takes you through the book of John, looking at six women in the life of Jesus. It also teaches the color method of Bible study, which helps you to learn how to really understand the scriptures. I include lots of cultural and historical information, and it really makes these familiar passages of scripture just come alive. This is a great study to do on your own, to do with some girlfriends or even some teenage girls, and it will help you really gain the confidence in how to hear from the Lord and set you up with some tools that will stay with you long after the study is over. You can find that on my resources page at shehears.org, where there are also some really good resources to help you in your spiritual growth. I pray that they are a blessing for you. I want to take just a second to thank the team at Life Audio for their partnership with us on the podcast. If you go to lifeaudio.com, you'll find dozens of other faith-centered podcasts in their network. They've got shows about prayer, Bible study, parenting, and more. Hey friends, if this podcast helped encourage, empower, or equip you for God's call on your life, I would love it if you would head over to Apple Podcasts and leave me a review. That's the number one way you can support my show. You can also join our free Facebook community or Instagram page where I share inspirational tips, resources, and prayer throughout the week. Hey, I want you to know I'm praying for you this week. Know that you are loved, you are cherished, and you are His.